0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey, from Cat Swamp Road over in Warren County. And hopefully everything is going well for you. And you are listening, as if you don't know, to Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147. And you may be listening on the, uh, the app. Or you may be listening through your vehicle or through something else, right? Today you can listen to Rural Radio on so many different devices. That's the word that they use today, devices. But I'm old school, so I just call it a radio. But we get together here, as you know, every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern and then again on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, which is an encore and if you missed the show, as I always say, no worries. I understand your life is busy. You could go to my website, farmmachinerydigest.com, one week after that episode airs, and they're all posted there in the entirety. And also, we are now, Farm Machinery Digest Radio is now also heard as a replay after it airs on Sirius XM on, uh, uh, geez. FM, uh, geez, I should know where it is, Uh, on on other podcast hosting sites. Let's leave it at that. My um, graphic artist and web person, Susan Moore, down in More Good Inc. down in Georgia. Uh, she handles all of that so there's a bunch of different podcast hosting sites and all the sites that host my idle chatter podcast you could hear the back back episodes of Farm Machinery Digest Radio so that is that and let me see what else my cover crop is growing beautifully thank god but i'm gonna to have to get ready to terminate it right because that's the commercial that's the politically acceptable term to terminate the cover crop and we do multiple plantings of sweet corn and it's in i try to get 10 in i usually don't between eight and nine plantings and uh, staggered uh, so that we could have sweet corn through the whole season and it's in two different fields and the one field uh, is what I plant first, obviously, the smaller one, and that one I will terminate the cover crop, and then the other field I leave the cover crop growing yet. So I figure I might as well get as much biomass as possible in there, and uh, I, I terminate that right before I plant. And I've never planted into it green, and then <clears throat> terminated it afterwards, but uh, come close to it. But that is uh, what's going on here, and I did not order. Well, let me put this, let me correct this. I have always have some seed left over from the previous year that we freeze. We put in the freezer, sweet corn seed. And then I do a germination test on it, the Mickey Mouse germination test in addition to kitchen. And I have always had great results, but I have to order the rest of my seed. And you might say, you're crazy. You didn't order it. Well, I guess so. I am crazy, but I usually like to wait just about this time of year, the first week in April. To order because what i found is the supplier i use that he will sell off and i don't blame him sell the older seed first so now you're paying a lot of money for sweet corn seed and you're getting two-year-old seed because every seed is at least one year old right one year old and it has a germination rate of in the 80s the low 80s when is if i wait a little bit and i get the fresher seed their their listed germination rate is in the high 90s so that is quite a big, big 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 difference especially at the price of sweet corn seed but anyway I have a couple of winners here as usual and I have to give them send them a hot rod farmer license plate and it is Gary Harrier from Ithaca Michigan and Mr. Mitch Lazenby from Auburn Alabama so those two gentlemen please reach out to me at Farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com or just go to my website and fill out the form even though you already are registered and let me know where your address so I could send that license plate out to you and I have a new pin in my map and that is from Mr. Richard Lentinello down in in Tennessee so uh and he's going to go and get into the drawing for the hot rod farmer license plate, then you could either email me or go to my website and fill out the form. That's actually the best Then I have all of your contact information. And on today's show, what we're going to talk about is a frustrating thing that we've all experienced. When gaskets don't seal... I mean, it's bad enough if you have a leak, and most of the time, with rare exception, if you have a leaky gasket, it's not a pleasant job to get to it. You usually have to take a lot of stuff apart. It's awkward to work on. And then when it doesn't seal, it's the ultimate in frustration. But never forget, agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability. Go beyond alternative and discover a world of emerging indie artists and groundbreaking sounds on Sirius XMU. A commercial-free mix of innovative music from bands, producers, and singer-songwriters, alongside classic sounds from the artists who inspired them. Indie Music Discoveries on Sirius XMU Channel 35. Or listen at home with Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, or however you stream in the house. Hi everybody, this is Marty Stewart. Join me as I travel coast to coast, city to city, exploring America through his sounds and stories on Marty Stewart's America Odyssey. Then stick around for the Marty Stewart Show, bringing the brightest stars and the best music straight into your home with the help of my fabulous superlatives. It all starts Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, right here on Rural Radio. Hello, I'm Ethan Wayne. John Wayne, an American experience, is in its second year in the Fort Worth stockyards and visitors are loving it. Come spend a couple hours and immerse yourself in Western nostalgia. Get a unique look into Duke's life that's only available here. All right, mister. You ask for it. Tickets available on johnwayne.com or they may be purchased at the Cowboy Channel Bar across the street on Exchange Avenue. Reserve your tickets now. Tune in for Commodity Wrap each weekday morning at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central and every evening at 5.30 Eastern, 4.30 Central. I'm Marlon Bowling, bringing you the latest market details and talking with a variety of market experts on location at the CME Group. From grains to livestock and everywhere in between, your Rural Radio team will keep you informed of the latest developments the minute they happen. We're gathering the news and insights you need to stay ahead of the curve and protect your bottom line. It's Commodity Wrap on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147, your market authority. Well, welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest. I'm your host, Ray Bohacks, and I just realized during the break that I said to you that I like to buy my seed, sweet corn seed. I can't get my tongue in my mouth today. Sweet corn seed—the first week in April. This is the, this is May, so uh, the weather has been so nutty here. That we've had 20 degree mornings and what have you, so I guess in my mind I think it's I guess it's two different things, right? The year is flying by so quickly that I still think it's April or going to be April, and the weather just doesn't really lend itself to you thinking that it is May. But I don't want you to think that I'm going nuts or recording these shows ten weeks <laughs> in advance. And the other thing, I I, um, I would be remiss because I'm i farmers are listening to me I didn't tell you what my what my cover crop is uh, that is that I have because everybody's because I know if I was listening to somebody said their cover crop I would say what is it well I did triticale crimson clover and tillage radish and most of the tillage radish obviously did not overwinter some of it did and the crimson clover and the triticale is looking beautifully so I'm excited about the planting into that but let's talk about gaskets that don't seal and you know as i was saying there's a frustration when you're working on something and the job doesn't turn out right no one likes to do a job twice it's just like replanting a field no one wants to replant twice even if you got the seed and everything for free no one likes to go in there and replant and no one likes to do a job twice and lots of times um, there is so much, I shouldn't say lots of them, there is so much of a, a crossover between planting a crop and preparing a gasket surface or having a gasket that you replace, not leak. Because as we all know, when you're planting a crop, that the seed bed is the most important for you to get that seed in a good firm seed bed with good, with, with good um, seed to soil contact. God willing, enough moisture for the seed coat to, to crack open and the seed to germinate and enough warmth in the ground and all of that. And foundationally, your crop begins with that planter, right? When when, that, when you're putting that seed in the ground. And then after you put that seed in the ground, then the good Lord takes over. But it's our job to put that seed in the ground properly to get a, to get a good yield. And the same thing happens with a gasket surface. But there's a lot of things that happen with gaskets that most people don't recognize. So you need to prepare the gasket surface properly, which I'm going to discuss, which is basically akin to seed-to-soil contact, all right? But there's other dynamics that are involved. And so let me get into those because this show flies by. Another thing is that what I'm going to say to you is and i'm not going to give you any brand names you make your own decisions to make your own purchases but the world is different today and most things in life are not what they seem and it's imperative that when you're looking to buy gaskets that you either buy the oe gasket. so if you have a john deere piece of equipment try to buy the john deere gasket case whatever brand you have and if you cannot get the oe gasket <clears throat> then I'm going to suggest to you that you have to buy, not you have to, you could do what you want, to buy a name brand gasket. And whether it's a, you know, Dana or Felpro or what have you. And I understand in agricultural machinery, lots of times there's not as much of a selection of gasket manufacturers as there are with road vehicles, with trucks and engines and cars. But you have to buy a name brand gasket. And let me explain to you why. Is that the easiest part of making a gasket is to get the die to cut it out in the proper shape. That's that's the simplest, the easiest, and the least expensive part part of the gasket making process the thing is that each gasket is designed to for a certain application and I mean an application whether it's a valve cover gasket whether it's a thermostat gasket and it's designed and what it where the design is critical is in the material that is used and sadly today we're getting a lot, a lot of gaskets that are coming from overseas all right from china from other places and they're punching out these gaskets the size the fitment of the gasket may be perfect <clears throat> and sometimes it's not and i'll explain to you why but but for the most part making the die to die cut the gasket is not is, an, is, is certainly not a complicated deal so the fit the, the size and the fitment of it is perfect but the material is wrong and the material is not Agreeable with what it has to seal, and it could be not agreeable due to heat. It could be not agreeable to the liquid or the chemical or whatever it's trying to keep keep in. Now, remember, the job of a gasket is twofold: they either keep something in or keep something out. All right. So, if you uh, so if you have a gasket around that air uh, a uh, a air air filter lid, then that gasket is meant to keep the dirt out if you have a gasket around an oil pan on an engine, all right, that's to keep the keep the fluid in. So it goes both ways, depending on engineering term, application specific. Like I always say, that's just like the agronomist's, uh, you know, excuse, follow all label instructions. The engineer, you say application specific, and that covers your uh, CYA, all right? I won't say what it is, because I'm a Christian man and this is a family show. But anyway, so what happens, is that the industry, well, the marketplace is a better word, is, is full of these bogus gaskets, and I say they are bogus because they're made from the wrong material. And then you put this gasket you on, and either it deteriorates right away because of the heat or it deteriorates right away because it's not compatible with what it's trying what it, what it has to seal. this is and you said to yourself you go crazy with it and i had an instance like that years ago with my old ford escort the transmission pan i went to service to i always bought ford parts for it ford gaskets ford everything the only thing that that car didn't have for half a million miles and everything was original uh, was was the oil i used to use mobile one but ford air filters ford everything i buy everything from ford had zero zero problems never had to do anything twice i wanted to change the transmission gas the transmission fluid and i pulled the pan down to i actually when i the car was new i actually drilled a hole in the pan and put a drain plug in it so this way i could drain the fluid in between filter changes and i could also when i went to go change the filter it became very easy so i wanted to change the fluid and the filter which i probably should not have done because ford no longer had a gasket and the car had just about a half a million miles on it. And the thing is that, so I had to go to an aftermarket gasket and no one, no one had a gasket for it. So I got an aftermarket gasket from China. It was stamped on a box very proudly, made in China, all right, and put it on there. Yeah, the fit was fine. The material felt a little bit funky because it was like a rubberized gasket. But you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm not a materials expert. I'm not a materials engineer. I'm not a chemist. So I said, all right, well, it was from a good company. It was from Napa. All right. So um, hey, you know, full disclosure here, I hide nothing. And I bought the gasket, put it on there. I said, all right, that you know, it felt a little bit different. Put it on there. That thing leaked like a sieve. Terrible, terrible. And I hate leaks. I, I, I hate leaks on anything, so leak. Like I said, what the heck is going on here? I said, am I losing my touch? It's a simple pan gasket. Well, to make a long story short, got enough, went to Napa, bought another gasket because that was the only place I was able to get it within reason without driving a hundred miles, and uh, get another one. And said, geez, what the heck did I do wrong here? Well, I did nothing wrong. I studied the gasket. The gasket was actually it took about two and a half weeks of it being exposed. To the, to the transmission fluid, and the gasket was actually deteriorating from it. And I and, you know, coming from the industry, coming from the automotive industry, coming from the machinery industry, I've seen this in all different ways. Either the gasket deteriorates, which I was suspicious of this gasket, but I said, hey, it's Napa, right? It's going to be a good product. And I'm not blaming the Napa people because they're buying it from a supplier. But this supplier was just just god knows what they were stamping it out with but it certainly wasn't going to live with transmission fluid and then uh so i've seen where the gaskets swell up i've seen it where the gaskets shrink and not just on transmissions on different ass different fluids it could be antifreeze i've seen gaskets that that antifreeze coolant actually they were made from the wrong material and the gasket actually started to deteriorate. So where the heck did the gasket go? So the first thing that you have to do is do your best. And I'm saying do your best because I tried to do my best and buy a name brand gasket when I couldn't get a Ford gasket and it bit me. So, all right, so that's that. The second thing is that just like seed to soil contact and, and preparing a proper seed bed for you to plant into is that most people drop the ball when and cleaning the gasket surfaces so that the, on the pan or whatever whatever you're taking off or whatever the piece may be it may not be a pan it may be a piece of shielding it may be a housing what have you and the surface it mates to you need to clean it. has to be meticulously clean and lots and most people drop the ball with that because they don't clean it properly or what they do is Lots of times, about 20 years ago, they came out with those little scotch Bright pads. I don't think it's 3M makes them anymore. Probably that's probably made in China also, some kind of knockoff. Then they put it on a, on a die grinder, on the drilling. Well, those pads... And somebody's be listening. I used those was all time hot water, I had no problem. Well, you've been consider yourself lucky. Go buy a buy a lottery ticket, even though I don't gamble, right? I'm hey. I can't say I don't gamble because I'm a farmer. I gamble, but I gamble on the Lord that that he's gonna bless my crop and bless yours. But what happens is those Scotch bright pads, and specifically if you use it on some sort of air drill or or gr- whatever you use it on, all right are is way too aggressive if you're going against let's say like an aluminum housing like on a transmission and lots of times when you're sealing things today you're sealing it against an aluminum body whether it's aluminum cylinder on the head aluminum casting on a combine or what have you and it actually makes that Surface wavy. You don't see it, all right. You go zzz and you zip the old gasket off. You clean it, all right. You and 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 you're actually making it wavy. So the thing basically is, is that it's eating into that. You do not want to do that. The, you could use a gasket scraper. There's there's chemicals that a spray that are on there to loosen up any old gasket material. I like to use a combination of a gasket scraper and a single-edge razor blade, I'm not saying that you can't use a piece piece of Scotch-Brite. I use like a green piece of Scotch-Brite, but you're using it in your hand. You're not not putting it on one of those discs and spinning it at 3,000 RPM and pushing on it and, and, and gouging into that surface. So it's very, and you have to remember, let's say arguably it's a transmission or a gearbox. Once you make that surface wavy, it's over, buddy. You wrecked it all right and what will happen is that you'd say well the gasket should be able to take it up it may it may not take it up all right because you're because it's being pushed and pulled in different it's not like it's it's wave you all over like waves on the ocean it's going to have high and low spots so don't so you have to clean that meticulously you have to clean the other surface meticulously if it's a sheet metal pan then you're going to need to peen over the bolt holes if you go to my website, farmmachinerydigest.com, and look under the Learn tab, I have an article from a few years ago for you to, that shows you how to peen over the bolt holes, because when you tighten the bolts, it actually bows the pan out, and then you're tightening the bolt, the bolt is seated, but you're not having even compression of the gasket against the surface it needs to seal so you need to have even compression because if, if, it's, if it's point, if it's bowed out, then you're tightening it a lot by the bolt hole and you're not tightening it and it doesn't have even compression around the rest of the, the gasket. And if the gasket has a lot of length to it or like a transmission pan or an oil pan or a gearbox, it has a very good propensity to leak because of that. So you need to do that, all right. The other thing is that you need to make sure that the bolts are clean, and the bolt threads are clean, because you want to be able to have an even torque. And when you and you don't, and I well, let me put this way: you don't. If you're using some sort of air ratchet, which I don't like to use on that stuff, is that you don't ram the bolts home. What you do is you go up one way, you go down the other side in a crisscross fashion and you just have it touch the pan and then you go around it again and you bring it up incrementally the guys even though if they're going in a crisscross fashion what you're doing is you're cocking that pan or that enclosure you're compressing the gasket there or overly compressing the gasket while the other part of the gasket is the other side of the gasket is not compressed at all And that gasket oftentimes will not recover and it will leak. So you need to do that. I like to not use air tools. I like to use a ratchet. You bring it snug just to touch the pad. And then you go around so it takes you two or three times to tighten the pan. And then if you have the opportunity, you let it go through one or two thermal cycles and just snug them up again. And you don't want to moose it. You don't want to crush. You want to have the pan just contact the gasket and have a slight... I hate to use the word crush, but a slight pressure against it. You don't want to crush the gasket and have the pin push the gasket out because once you do that, the gasket is basically ruined and there's a very good possibility it's going to leak. So prepare the surface properly, get a good gasket if you can, preferably if you buy it from the manufacturer, you're going to be golden. Don't worry about it. All right. Clean the surfaces, clean the bolt holes, clean the bolts, and don't ram the thing home with an air gun. This is Jimmy Sturr with a reminder to join me for the Saturday Night Polka Party. That's Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 Central. They repeat that same show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on Channel 147, Rural Radio. It's a great way to start your week off. It's the Saturday Night Polka Party. Saturdays at 6 Eastern, again on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern only on Channel 147, Rural Rural Radio. This is Sean Haney. Every weekday afternoon, we keep the discussion going on Rural Radio 147, beginning with Talk with Chip Florey at 2 Eastern. Then at 3 Eastern, join Brian and Darren Hefty for Ag PhD Radio, followed by Shark Farmer Radio with Rob Sharkey at 4. Then it's time to get real and get connected with me on Real Ag Radio at 4.30 Eastern. It's a full afternoon of tips and tricks to boost yields and keep you informed starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, weekdays on Rural Radio 147 and the Sirius XM app. It's back, 100 rodeos in 100 days. The excitement starts with the first round from the Reno Rodeo and doesn't end until the last day, hour, and minute of the Pro Rodeo regular season in late September. It includes rodeos like the Reno Rodeo, Calgary Stampede, Cheyenne Frontier Days, the California Rodeo, the Ellensburg Rodeo, the NFR Playoff in Puyallup, Washington, and so many more. It's 100 rodeos in 100 days, only on the Cowboy Channel, the official home of Pro Rodeo. At Rural Radio, we love the fact we can be with you wherever you are, in the cab, on your farm, on the road, in town, and at This Week in Agribusiness, we're especially proud to join you weekly on Rural Radio. Yeah, this is Max Armstrong. Maybe you know the voice. Join us Saturday mornings at 8 Eastern on Rural Radio, exclusively on Sirius XM 147. I'm Abby Bender from Evansville, Indiana, and I listen to Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. Alright, so now it's time for the under the sheet metal segment. We're gonna to try to bring in Tex Rubinowitz here from Ripsaw Records. He's the hot rod man. Well I'm a rolling daddy with a mean machine. It's gotta be another sure is clean, I'm a hot rod man. Very text. Thank you so much. In Under the Sheet Metal, we're going to be discussing a diesel cold start. The industry identifies a cold start as any time the engine and its coolant are 30 Fahrenheit degrees or more below normal operating temperature. This is then broken down into a full-blown cold start when the coolant is at ambient temperature, an intermediate restart, and then a hot restart. Based on this metric, the initial start is considered cold even if you are in the desert in the summertime. Since a diesel engine uses no spark plugs, combustion occurs from the heating of the air in the cylinder by the compression of the piston. During a full or intermediate cold start, this is insufficient to reach the necessary 350 degrees for the fuel to ignite. That's 350 degrees F. To combat this, a glow plug intake air heater or both are employed. Many misunderstand glow plugs. They are not used to heat the combustion chamber, but instead to create a hot spot for the fuel to encounter as the piston pushes the mixture towards it. Simply put, it is an ignition point that can quickly reach to more than 1,000 Fahrenheit degrees. It is nothing more than a heating element. If your diesel is hard starting, check the glow plugs and the related circuits. Often you will find that the engine is firing in only one or two cylinders since the others have expired. So it's very, very, very important for you to understand that a cold start doesn't necessarily have to be in North Dakota in the winter. So if you have any questions on this or about gaskets, please feel free to reach out to me at hotrodfarmer.com. At farmmachinerydigest.com. And remember, you don't want to do a job more than once. That's like replanting a field. It's no fun. And the preparation, just like with your field, the preparation for the gaskets or for the surface that you're going to seal is imperative for its success. So thank you so much for listening. And I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmers is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed day at our Catch you next week. Be safe. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Mike Pearson, host of AOA, heard Monday through Friday right here on Rural Radio from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Each day, we'll talk to those making the news in markets, ag policy, trade, and rural health care. And you'll hear from the ag and political leaders about the pressing issues of the day and what they might mean for the future of agriculture. So join me here on Rural Radio from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time, or AOA. This is a Dairy Radio Minute. We certainly had enough information to cover last week. All of which was market moving and provided insight into where prices might go from these recent highs gdt did decline the third consecutive weighted average price decline driven a lot by whole milk powder dropping but also all commodities falling lower in the gdt auction that was driven by kind of two different things First of all, Fonterra moved offer volumes forward into the second quarter. So there was a little bit more product on offer than originally anticipated in a lot of these markets. Secondly, China pulled back a little bit. I will say, though, that it's important to remember that 2021 imports to China were record levels in a lot of these products, so kind of difficult to compare versus prior year. Lucas Fees, director of Dairy Market Intelligence with High Ground Dairy in Chicago. Hi, this is Rob Keck from Bass Pro Shops, the leader in the great outdoors. Join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern for Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Join us every Saturday as we answer the call. That call to preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, presented by Bass Pro Shops. Only on Rural Radio and the Sirius XM app. Your adventure starts right here.